Well, I think I'm back on. Um, I have to say, welcome again this morning to you. My name is Barney. Uh, it's great for, to be with you today and to speak on this topic. Um, first of all, though, I just, I'm, so, I'm just in agreement with Karen Bingham because I'm so looking forward to that time when we can come back in the room together. N namely, not namely just because this morning it is so cold in here, I knew that if we had a room full of people, it would be a lot warmer than it is. Because even with the heating on, my hands are freezing. So I'm probably going to move them around a lot today just to keep them warm. But um, today we are starting our new series. And our new series is titled Radical Disciple. So why have we called it that? Well, look, first of all, our hope is that through this series, you grow in your ability to follow Jesus with everything that you have. And that looks like being radical to me, so that's why we've called it Radical Disciple, and not just discipleship or following Jesus. We want to be radical followers of Jesus. I've spent a lot of time uh, studying this topic over the last six or seven months. I'm doing my master's dissertation on, on, this, on this theme, and so I've been reading quite heavily into this whole area of discipleship, and actually this started for me with a quote that I read by a, an author called Neil Cole, and he said this, Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It doesn't matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are, if your disciples are passive, needy, and consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. That, to me, just hit me to the core when I read that for the first time. Oh, my goodness, this is a... This, for me, was a, a, almost a bit of a life-changing quote. If we're going to lead you into all that God has for you, it is not about what the Riverside Centre looks like. It is not about what the worship sounds like. It is not about what programmes we can put on for you. It is about helping you to follow Jesus with everything that you have. Because there's a, a verse in Hebrews, actually in this kind of section, it's talking about... Um, honouring those that are leading you. But it says this, it says that actually that those who are in leadership keep watch over your souls and will give an account. And I live under that constant reminder, I have to be honest with you, I live under the constant reminder that as a leader, I will give an account for how I've led. And if I'm going to lead well, what I need to do is help you know how to follow Jesus. That's got to be my role, surely. So, you see, God, I think God cares more about how we're helping you and shaping you to follow Jesus than he does with what our church might look like on the outside. But if we just take that quote from Neil Cole, my next question should be this. Well, what does a disciple look like then? So, actually, if we, we're going to move people towards this radical obedience, what does a disciple look like? And I've now read, genuinely, countless books on this topic, countless articles and with every single book that I've read on this topic, they all have a different model. They present something different at the end of it. They say, well, this is what a disciple should look like, or this is what a disciple should look like. And uh, in, as a, a, a consequence of my study, I've actually come up with a, a few things of what a disciple should look like. We, and we've done that as a, as a leadership team. And I'm going to be sharing that with you in a second, uh, those different kind of themes. But before I get there... I just, I think I, everything boils down to this one quote, if I'm honest with you, and it's from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, those of you who know him. Um, incredible, incredible life uh, during the Second World War in Germany. And he said this, Discipleship means an exclusive adherence to him, 
And that implies first that the disciple looks only to his Lord and follows him. You see, everything in this series that we're going to do will boil down to this one thing. Are you, Christian, going to adhere to Jesus like glue? Are you going to stick to Jesus? Because that is what true discipleship looks like. Following Jesus and sticking to him, no matter what life might throw at you, no matter what your life looks like, you stick to Jesus. See, Christian discipleship is all about following Jesus. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? What a simple thing to say. We can kind of rub our hands down. We're done with this series. It's all about following Jesus. But here's another question. How many of us are actually following Jesus with our whole lives? That's a bit more of a painful question maybe for some of us. You see, it is easy to follow Jesus with your words, yet deny him with your lifestyle. It's easy to follow Jesus with what you say, what comes out of your mouth. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But does your lifestyle actually model that? Does your thought patterns, the way you behave at home, how you behave at work, do do those patterns of life actually model what you say? It's easy also to assume maybe that following Christ amounts just to attending his church, but ignoring his ways. You see, maybe for some of us, we've got caught in the trap that for us, Christianity is just about coming to church on a Sunday, but realistically, we don't ever read the Bible, and we never actually follow the way of Christ. We just turn up on a Sunday and assume that that is what Christianity is. In my late teens and early 20s, well, you all know, mum and dad, Graham and Sue, obviously dad used to lead the eldership team before I did. I was brought up in a a Christian home, and I brought up up as a a Christian. But in my late teens and early 20s, I did what quite a lot of people do in their teens. I had a lot of, uh, I, I went out and kind of did things that the world said was a good thing to do. I said I followed Jesus, I went to church on Sundays, but my life behind the scenes looked nothing like that. My thought life, my habits, the things I got myself into looked nothing like the Christianity that I was professing when I was at church on Sundays. My actions were questionable at best. And it all stopped, actually, when I did Freedom in Christ. And there was a moment in Freedom in Christ when I realised this one key thing. If I was going to follow Jesus, I had to give him everything. I couldn't give him half of the stuff in my life and keep back the rest of it. I couldn't kind of hold on to certain things because I enjoyed doing them still. I had to give everything over to Jesus. I had to say to Jesus, no, I'm going to follow you. No matter what the cost to me, I will follow you. And the start of the disciples' journey, this is my first major point for today, the start of the disciples' journey is answering the call to follow. So where where does our life with Christ start? It's when we answer the call to follow. You'll see this come up time and time again throughout the Gospels. Jesus says, come follow me. You see it time and time again. Luke 5, let me give you this uh, story. This is when the, the first disciples started following Jesus in Luke's account. And so in Luke 4, Peter has seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. And then Jesus turns up at Peter's workplace. Peter's a fisherman. And it's at the end of a day, and Peter and the other fishermen are outside their boats, and they're cleaning their nets off in the water. And Jesus appears with this crowd of people following him because they're following him to get the teaching from him and to see his ministry. And so Jesus sees that the best place to start speaking from isn't from the shoreline, but is to go out and stand in one of the boats. So Jesus goes out and he borrows Peter's boat. And he gives, the, he gives the teaching that he gives. And then at the end of it, he says to these disciples, who will be disciples, these fishermen who are cleaning their nets, go out and cast your nets again. 
And so they go out and cast their nets again, and they come in with the biggest haul of fish they've ever, ever taken in their lives. And they're amazed, says the text. They're amazed and gobsmacked at the fact that they could take this huge haul of fish. And Jesus says to them, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then we read that they leave everything that they have and they follow him. So in this moment, they've got an option, haven't they? They could go and sell all the fish that they've just caught. They could go and make a lot of profit on all this amazing catch. Or they can leave everything. They can abandon what they've become used to and say, well, no, I'm going to go off on a journey of following Jesus. You see, when we follow Jesus, there is a cost involved in it. Have you answered the call to follow? Have you answered the call to follow? If you read through Luke or Mark, you'll see Jesus continually stating that answering the call to follow is dependent on us. It's optional. Jesus always gives the disciples or those listening a way out. You'll see it again and again and again, particularly in Luke. Luke 5, Luke 9, Luke 14, Luke 18. They all point to this this thing that Jesus keeps saying, look, if you want to follow me, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He gives them the option. He's always giving his disciples an opportunity to walk away. Why? Well, look, following Jesus isn't like belonging to a club or a hobby. It isn't just a way of life. Following Jesus means being prepared to leave absolutely everything. Sacrifice everything. Be rejected by everyone, all for the sake of staying close to him. That's a huge challenge to you and I. This should challenge you. Even if you've been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, this, what I'm saying, should challenge you. I'm not going to make light of that, and we're not going to make light of that this series. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way. When Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he's saying, come and follow me and die. Die to self. Die to the old way of living that you might know new life in me. In our Western culture, our Western Christian culture, because we've got a Western Christian culture, did you know that? Because we all watch the same YouTube videos and many of us listen to the same worship songs. We listen to the same preachers. We have a Western Christian culture. In our Western Christian culture, we can water down that call to follow to a simple prayer of repentance. Well, I prayed a prayer of repentance 30 years ago or an action of going to church. We can water down Christianity to those two small things. But that isn't how Jesus speaks about it. You see, Jesus didn't come just to teach a series of life hacks to make life easier. That's not what he turned up for. He didn't just come and teach some good morality that you and I might live better lives Instead, he called anyone wanting to follow him to a radical life of obedience. Yet when we choose to follow, choose to hand over everything to him, we find we are freed. It's the weird paradox of following Jesus. You hand over everything to him. You say, Jesus, have all of me. Have my thoughts, my emotions, everything about me. Jesus, you can have it all. And as we do that, rather than being enslaved to it, we are freed by him. As Jesus himself said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Peter says this, we can cast all our anxiety onto him because he cares for us. So Jesus calls us to follow him, to come and die, he says to us. Come follow me. And in doing so, we give him everything and in return, he gives us everything. 
Whilst on one hand, the call to follow, the, the call to follow is extremely costly to us, causes us to offer up everything to Jesus, it also liberates us from the world. Have you answered the call to follow? Have you answered the call to follow? Because that, my friends, is the start of the journey of being a disciple, answering the call to follow. If discipleship starts with a call to follow and then is sticking to Jesus, how then do we grow as disciples? And that is what we are going to focus on for the rest of this series. So I think that there are seven things, seven things that, that you can do to grow as Christ's disciple. And they orbit around a central point. So the central thing is this. We need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the central point. And then there are six more things that flow around that central point. So living in the power of the Spirit, we can become dependent on Christ's grace, know our identity in Christ, become obedient to Christ's ways, take up Christ's cross, live in Christ's community, and share in Christ's mission. So the role of the Spirit is central this is my next point this morning, to becoming a disciple, to living the life of a disciple. You see, you answer the call. That's, that's what happens when you become a Christian. You, you choose to follow Jesus. I'm going to lay down my life and follow Jesus. I'm answering the call to follow. But then how do you live in that lifestyle? Well, then you need to become dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We live in the period of post-Pentecost, so the disciples who followed Jesus around Galilee, they watched him die and rise again and saw him ascend to heaven, were then filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And after that point, they went around emboldened by his power in them to go and preach the gospel. We live in that same age, the age of the Holy Spirit. So the second step in discipleship is asking for the Holy Spirit to help you to follow Jesus. So the first step is, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole life. The second step, if you read the New Testament, is asking the Holy Spirit to help you follow. When Paul encounters some disciples in Ephesus in Acts 19, we see him extremely concerned that they have, have, have they been filled with the Spirit. Why? Why is he so worried about this? Because he knows the key to following Jesus, the key to following him with all of your life is to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit's role in our life is vital. I'm going to just uh, rattle through these three things here about the, the, the role of the Spirit in our lives. First of all, he enables our walk with Jesus. Jesus says this in John 16, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and will declare it to you. So when Jesus calls us to come and follow him, he doesn't leave us helpless. He gives us his spirit. The spirit guides us, he teaches us, he enables us, he instructs us to follow Jesus. You know, sometimes you have those moments, you just don't know where to turn. You, you, you might, oh, I don't know what to do, what, what am I going to do? Well, Jesus says that we can turn to the spirit and he will guide us. The Spirit is a guide to us. He is an enabler. He enables us to follow. 
Paul confirms this when he writes to the Galatians. He says this, By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And the Spirit guides us, he instructs us, he teaches us how to live the Christian life, how to follow Jesus, how to live like Jesus. All of the characteristics of Christ that we see in the New Testament, in the Gospel stories, all of the characteristics we see of Jesus, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, they're the characteristics we see of Christ And they are sown into you and I by the power of the Spirit working in us. The fruit of the Spirit is to bring us to maturity in the character of Christ. We grow in the Spirit, we grow in maturity in Jesus when we encounter the Spirit. Secondly, the role of the Spirit in our life is to ensure that we don't become pious, religious or super spiritual in our walk with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 says this, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Have you ever met a Christian with a holier-than-thou attitude? They act like they're better than you the whole time. Maybe acting like they're more loved by God than you are, or chosen than you are, because of the things that they do and don't do. That's called piety. And that attitude... That its root is the same that the Pharisees had in the gospel stories. The Pharisees thought that by living outward appearance of, Christian, of, 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 of following God, of religion, by doing certain religious acts, then they were close to God. They thought that by doing the external, they could make themselves look like they were close to God, but they weren't close to God at all. Jesus said they were like dirty cups. The outside looked clean, but the inside was absolutely rotten. If we want to avoid becoming like the Pharisees, where all we do is engage in external religion, or becoming super spiritual, where we think that we're better than other people, then we need to draw from the Spirit. Next week, I'm going to speak on the importance of grace. See, grace is so important in our lives as Christians. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's grace towards us. So the Holy Holy Spirit, he stops us from entering into a form of piety or or religiosity. Thirdly, he empowers us for mission. As the first Christians were filled by the Spirit, they went out and were emboldened to share their faith. The Holy Spirit's activity in our lives is to make us effective as witnesses. But I think it's more than that. I think it's the mark of a radical disciple. You see, the result of a radical disciple's life is replication into other people. If, if you're radically following Jesus, you will multiply, like cells when they multiply. If you're radically following Jesus' ways, we see it in the Gospels and in Acts, the disciples, they multiplied because they were following Jesus with all that they had. Radical disciples make radical disciples. What starts with the response from each of us to follow Jesus should end up with us sharing the same call with others. Come follow Jesus. Our heart in this series is to build foundations in your life so that you and I are equipped to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and ready to share Jesus with other people. 
whether that's over Zoom on a work call, whether that's knocking on your neighbour's door, whether that's just praying for somebody and then saying, oh, I, you know, I prayed for you, or meeting somebody in the supermarket and saying, can I just pray for you? You know, at the moment, we have limited opportunities for social interaction, but we still have opportunities to share the gospel, and we need to walk into the season we're in with confidence. So my two points today, just as a, a reminder to you, have been this. First of all, we, the, the, in terms of following Jesus, it starts with a call to follow. It starts with a call to follow him. Have you answered the call was what I've said to you earlier on. And secondly, how do you start in this life of following Jesus? You need to start in your life following Jesus by asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with his presence. It's only by the Holy Spirit's power that you will live the life of a radical disciple. So here are some responses today. Firstly, maybe you need to say, well, I'm in. Jesus says, come follow me. Well, I'm in 100% again. Maybe you have done that lots before, but you need to do it again this morning. I'm, I'm in. I'm just, I'm back in. I'm in 100%. Maybe you are a Christian, but there's just an area of your life you've just not given over to his lordship. And maybe you need to give that over to him this morning. Secondly, maybe you just need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. It's an active verb. He's saying we need to keep doing it. You read through Acts, the disciples are filled with the Spirit more than once. He keeps equipping them for the mission that they're on. We need that in our lives, each of us. We mustn't be frightened. Some of us are frightened of the, the way of the Spirit. Some of us think it's a bit weird and wacky. But actually, this is core to the Christian life. We need to be inviting the Holy Spirit's power to come and fill us. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit's power to come and be in us, that we might be effective witnesses for Jesus, that we might grow in Christian character, that we might grow in our following him. So we're going to do that in a second as I finish off. But I just want to leave you with one more thing before we pray. What are you going to do in light of what I've said today what are you going to do each of you watching this at home yes you don't think I'm speaking to somebody else I'm speaking to you what are you going to do with what I've said today because James says that we shouldn't just be people who hear the word but we should be people who do the word so what are you going to do with what I've said today maybe as I've said already there is an area of your life you're not following him in maybe you're not actually asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill you every day Maybe you don't live a life enabled by his power. What are you going to do? Just giving you a moment to think about that. We're going to pray now. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit comes and fills you wherever you are watching this right now. Whether you're watching it live or on repeat, we want to be people who engage with his power in our lives. So I'm going to pray right now for you that the Holy Spirit fills you with his power this week, but also that you take up the call to follow Jesus in your life. So let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to this earth. Lord, I thank you that you came to uh, enable us to have a relationship with God. Lord, I thank you that you came that we might know life and life in all its fullest. And Lord, I thank you that that happens as, as we uh, walk closely to you, as we stick closer to you uh, than glue. Lord, I thank you that that happens, Lord Jesus, when we are filled by your Spirit's power. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody watching this right now who needs to answer the call to follow, who needs to answer the call to follow you as a saviour, who needs to answer the call to follow you as their Lord. Lord, I pray right now that you would enable them to do that, that they would take up the call to follow you this morning. 
And Lord, I pray for all of us. Lord Jesus, right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill us with your power. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your power in us enables witness. Your power in us enables us to grow in Christ-likeness, grow in Christ's character. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your power in us demonstrates that we belong to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come into this world and you've sent the Spirit that we might know that we belong to Jesus, that we might know that we belong as children of God. Holy Spirit, right now I pray, come fill each one of us with your power. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, come and equip us for the week ahead. Lord, that next Sunday when we come to bring contributions, that people are able to share of what you've done through them this week in the lives of those around them. That people are able to share about what you've done in them as they've committed to you again. So Holy Spirit, we pray right now, come fill each one of us with your power. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining uh, me as I've spoken about this today. Um, Next week, I'm going to be talking about the grace of Christ and how we need to lean into it as disciples. As we close our meeting today, we're going to sing a song together. We're going to sing uh, a living hope, I think. So we're going to just reflect on that as we uh, go into the, the, the song at the end. But can I just also say as well, if you want prayer for any things that I've said today, please click the uh, prayer button on uh, Church Online or just contact us during the week. We'd love to pray with you over the phone.